Viewer discretion is advised. The following episode contains sex, hard amounts of alcohol, hard drugs, including cocaine, heroin, and lots and lots of weed. If any of these things do trigger you, please do not listen to this episode or listen with somebody else. If these things do not trigger you, please enjoy the show. Singer and actor Meatloaf dies at age 74. Who? The singer and actor Meatloaf died at age 74. Today? I think so, yeah. Let me see. Fuck. Yeah, Meatloaf dies. Bat out of hell singer and Rocky Horror Picture Show actor was 74 at the time of his death. Um, the hardworking singer and actor whose best Bat Out of Hell is one of the best-selling albums ever and who played Eddie in the Rocky Horror Picture Show died at age 74. The Grammy winner born Marvin Lee Aday died Thursday night surrounded by his wife Deborah, daughter, daughters Pearl and Amanda, and close friends Meatloaf's longtime agent Michael Green told Deadline on behalf of the family a cause of death is not being released. Welcome back to Rockaholics, guys. My name's Alec. And I'm Ruby. This is Ruby. We are the Rockaholics. And thank you guys for coming back to this podcast. We're so excited to bring you what we're about to bring you. But first, I kind of just want to play a little bit of catch up with my co-host because she, again, we live in different states. And it's Mm -hmm. not always easy to keep to stay in contact because we're living two different lives. So Ruby, what's going on with you? Nothing, man. Shout out to Black Rifle Coffee Company, though, because they definitely keep waking me up with their light roast gunship brew. Like that shit is amazing. Yeah, I appreciate you recommending Black Rifle Coffee. It's been waking me up, too. Isn't it so good, though? And then you don't get like the like the anxiety jitters after drinking it like it's just kind of really smooth there's nothing better than a colombian roast there really isn't i know right i I don't think it's just like colombia though i think it's brazil too i think they import their stuff and all of their stuff is like yeah their coffee beans are imported yes but Mm -hmm. but then their their companies are in tennessee and utah so it's all it's all american and, and I love what they stand for, you know, like they're this veteran owned, they're a veteran owned coffee company with, with an entire mission focus, you know, they're military members serving this great country and are committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement and first responders. And, you know, I'm all about that veteran stuff. You know, I'm all about veteran and, and veteran mental health and stuff. So it's, it's just a really, really, really great, great company to order from because, they also, I think it's like for every one bag you purchase, one bag gets sent overseas as well. Um, I don't know if they do that now or just during the holidays, but it's a really great company to order from. I don't think I need my coffee right now. It's just a little bit of whiskey and I'd be good to go. Go ahead. I ain't judging you. So I, I, I heard a little rumor. You're taking your kid to her first concert. I am. I got falling in reverse tickets. And, you know, drunk me is always like, hey, we have a little extra money. <laughs> and <laughs> and do you want to hear the whole story or not? <laughs> so, as you know, I got myself sim- simple plan. Drunk me got me simple plan tickets back in August. And then simple plan canceled. So newfound glory was now their headliner. 
And at that concert, I got so wasted because it was my birthday. So Josie, my best friend, let me get blackout drunk. And next thing I know, I have an alert on my phone telling me that I have a, um, I have a concert to get to. And I'm like, who? And it's Beartooth and Wage War. And I was like, okay, I didn't know I bought these tickets, but okay. And then at that concert, I was like, you know, drunk me was like, hey, you know what? Um, we should go see Dayseeker. And, and you know, I love Dayseeker and Motionless and White was also with them. And we came as Romans, but I went for Dayseeker. So at Dayseeker, um, drunk me was like, hey, you know who else we should go? And I was like, no more drinks, drunk me. And drunk me was like, yeah, but a day to remember is going to be here. And I was like, no, we don't have the money. And drunk me was like, no, it's okay. The money will come back to you. So we went to a day to remember and at a day to remember drunk me was like, Hey, you know, what would be really cool falling in reverse in January. And I was like, okay. And for some reason I ended up buying two tickets, which I never do. And so now my oldest is going to go with me falling in reverse wage war Hawthorne Heights. I mean, this is going to be, this is an incredible lineup and that's going to be my oldest first concert. It's cool that your daughter um, being raised by a rockaholic, she gets to see Fong Universe as her first concert. Dude, you know who my first concert was? I don't even, I think like Michael, Michael Curtis Smith, a Michael W. Smith, something like that. It was Stephen, I mean, it was this Christian guy, and it was like a whole church thing. And I was maybe oh, 10 years Smith. old. Yeah, that was my very first concert. So, you know, my mom was lame though. And I remember listening to rock music. And my first rock band that I listened to was was, oh God, what's their name? Lighthouse, Lightyear. What's their name? They sing, I dare you to move. I think that's Lighthouse. Let me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember listening to Lighthouse and my mom was like, oh my God, my daughter likes the devil because that to her was like a hard rock. If she only knew the kind of music that I listen to now, she would absolutely die. She would die. You know what that song is called? Dare You to Move, isn't it? Yeah, let me check. I dare you to live like today never happened. I'm so sorry. I'm so sick right now. Like, <laughs> oh, I I like I've been permanently to... sick since Corona started. Like, I'm just, it's either like the I sniffles. Have been, I have the permanent, like, stuffy nose because of that. I, I discovered my sister and I have allergies to cats. Mm, makes sense. You are because the cat of, daddy. Because what? <laughs> for those of you who are at the our most recent live stream you're welcome alex is a cat daddy <laughs> i'm also a dog i'm also a dog daddy so you might just have to call me daddy he's just daddy alex he's is just, just, daddy. No, just daddy it's no longer ruby and alec it's now ruby <laughs> and daddy all right all right all right i'm sorry so, I have been juggling, like, I swear to you, 50 different things. Like, and it's, Tell me about it, that. it's kind of crazy. I was just on a live stream with my, uh, with my, with a friend of mine, Dahlia, and a, an actor slash 
musician in Los Angeles known as Michael Padilla. And uh, we were talking in this live stream about what does it mean to be neurodivergent? To be known as divergent? Neurodivergent. Neurodivergent. Well, I am autistic, so I can tell you that. You are. And, and the thing is, is the fact that you fit under that scale of neurodivergency. In fact, I think most people do in one way or another. Because, I mean, that, that includes having ADHD, ADD, having ADHD or ADD tendencies, uh, whether Being you're, autistic. Whether you're on, yeah, whether you're on the scale of autism, whether you, if, if any sort of mental disability fits under neurodivergency. And I, you know, I have some serious ADD tendencies. So for what I've noticed and what we talked about is that if I'm not doing uh, like a hundred things at once, my brain like does whatever it wants and I can't control it. So I have to be I, constantly I, busy. When I was diagnosed with autism, I was, I was 27 years old and I was literally like four months before my birthday. And, and like, it was so, it was so nice to finally have like a name to my quote unquote quirkiness because it was like, it was like, I'm not alone here. Like, I'm not the one, the only one that does these things. You know, at 15, I was diagnosed with ADHD and then it was anxiety and then it was depression. And a lot of the times people don't know this, but if you have all three, you're likely on the spectrum. So, so that, that's one thing I've been kind of busy with is. is, is yeah, is, after is this, like, stream. I'm going to, yeah, after this, I'm going to be recording a new episode for down the rabbit hole with Ruby. So yeah. So yeah. it's always like you and I are always on the go. You and I are always doing something and it's so yep. crazy how busy you and I both are. Yet we make time for you guys. How about that? Absolutely. You know so, why? Because you guys along with us have the same interest, rock and roll, rock and roll lifestyle and music itself. So that is why and alcohol. and alcohol, mm. unless you're, unless you're under 21, just don't tell anyone else. So one of the things that I've also been up to is, so you're running down the rabbit hole with Ruby and you kind of inspired me to make a couple of new podcasts that I run, I run solo. One of them is called Be Curious with Elk, which I kind of do what you do. But what I do is I encourage people to ask questions strictly based out of their own naturalistic curiosity. So my, I encourage people to always be curious and always be asking more questions. Oh yeah, no, I read this meme earlier today that said, um, it, it was some like, uh, some scientist, you know, and, and he goes to schools and he does, you know, like he speaks to classrooms and stuff. And he's talking about when he goes to talk to kindergartners, but he said that when he goes and he talks to kindergartners, they, they all have these, all of these crazy questions, you know, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why is the ocean blue? Like they have all of these crazy, you know, like all of these great, great questions. And when he gets to talk to the seniors, the 12th, you know, the 12th graders and stuff, they've all become incurious. All of them no longer question things. None of them, you know, and he says there is something yeah. that happened. If- One of the things that um, I find so interesting about what you just said is that there was a study done by psychologists on creativity 
And no, it was, it, it was, uh, oh, you're saying that. There, there was oh. a very, very similar thing done on, um, it was, there was a study done by psychologists in the 19, like, like late 1990s and or early 2000s, um, where they did the same experiments on third graders and adults. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they gave them the word creativity. And they said, uh, using the letters that make up this word, rearrange those letters to make other words. Adults came up with around 40-some words. Guess how many words third graders came up with? 50 or more. Over 100. That's awesome. So there is definitely something that happens with creativity. And when it comes to curiosity, the older you get, because we're basically told you can't do this in the real world. Because God, doesn't in, that fucking suck? That sucks because well, I, I think that's also changing, like with the with like the with like the newer generations. Because the thing is, is that we're actually encouraged to be different and to be divergent in all these areas and to be like to to be well rounded and we're and we're encouraged to be accepting of others and we're encouraged to embrace ourselves and we're encouraged to embrace like all these different parts of our personality including creativity and curiosity and well I think that also comes with like we're we're the generation I mean have you heard about this the great resignation thing like we're all just resign like we're literally like if something does not sit well with us at a job we're like okay lol fuck you I'm going somewhere else you know yeah and I think that that is so like I love this for us because we're we're this generation where we're like, yeah, we're not going to be treated like crap anymore when there's companies out there that are not just paying us more to do what we're good at, but you know, there's like, we're just not going to live to work anymore, you know? And what are we doing? We're, we're traveling, we're, we're getting more artsy, we're, we're learning to love life again. And I think that if we don't, you know, love the life we live, the only other option is to live the life we love, right? Yeah. And those and those are the two options that are available to our generation. And it's not we don't live to work or we don't even work to live. That's that's not how it is because there's so many other ways that we can make money, which is based upon YouTube being an influencer, social media, all of these things where we can make money by doing what we love. Well, not just that, but you're paid to travel. You're paid to to go see bands you're paid to try new things you know what I mean like it's it's a beautiful thing that we've we've done here Mm -hmm. yeah are some influencers like really fucking annoying absolutely like I've never seen an episode of the Kardashians you know I I actually don't even really yeah I actually don't even really follow a lot of celebrities on social media because a lot of them are living a life that is unattainable you know and I like things that are tangible I like things that I can actually reach towards in my life and I think that a lot of goals um now, do I one day want to be brought to a red carpet event in a limousine? Absolutely. But I also, I know that I have to work hard for these goals, you know? 100%. And a lot of these people, yeah. And a lot of these people, like some shit is just handed to them, unfortunately, you know? And I think that that that's what a lot of people are missing, you know? Like there's, there's setups and there's props that you can go and rent for 30 minutes. And it's like, uh, I think one of them was like, the inside of a private plane and it's not even the inside of a private plane it's just set up to look like a private plane 
and you can be like traveling or whatever. And then, you know, you can just post a picture in there. And I think that that's what people forget is that a lot of the times these things that these influencers and stuff are posting, it's a lie. It's, it's a mirage. That's what it is. It is. And you and I talked the first episode, we talked a little bit about how we know some pretty famous people and some celebrities. And we know the fact that when they're not being a celebrity, they're just like us. Oh yeah. Just the prequel. She posted, you know, there was someone on, on TikTok that said, a lot of the people that are famous or a lot of people that have money, they dress and they act like they don't have money. You know, it's, it's people out here that really don't have money that are fronting, you know, they wear the Gucci belts and, and the Prada shoes and, and all of these labels and they're out and they spend money like, like they have it and they don't. And then they're acquiring all this debt. And that's where we have to like, stop it. You know, I've never been a materialistic person. I've never gone for the brand names and the labels. I think that, a $400 wallet is going to do the same thing that my $7 wallet from Wish does, which is how hold absolutely no money. You know, I'm still going to be broke. So I don't think that it matters what kind of wallet or anything that you have. Like, I'm not going to look at you and see a materialistic thing, a brand or a label and think that you're a high quality person. You know, I think that it still boils down to how do you treat the people around you? How do you treat your waitress? How do you treat your your family you know how do you treat your friends like do you treat the janitor the same way you treat the ceo who are you so uh, there is a guy at the applebee's right down the street my buddy luke and i he when we went there he was the only bartender waiter server and host working that day Oof. and uh, he was he had a he had a good ass attitude he was like jolly as hell and uh, he was so friendly and he was like always he was so helpful and he has servant's heart and it was just it was great to to watch so we tipped him a hundred dollars yeah and uh it's not oh, because i saw that on your story yeah and it's, and it's not because it's like oh i have a hundred dollars so i'm gonna tip him it's more like this guy deserves this i mean like if i were in those shoes i i, I feel like i'd appreciate that and now every single time that he, that I go to Applebee's, no matter who I'm with, he recognizes me. And he's always like asking personal questions. And like when I got when I got back from Puerto Rico, I went in and he was like, "Hey man, how was the holidays? How was Christmas? How was New Year's? How where were you? What, what are you doing?" Um, and when I once the Tony, I was in Puerto Rico, he asked all these like awesome questions. And uh, Luke and I actually got his contact info. We're gonna actually hang out with him outside of work. And I think what you say is very true because it's like these people that society really doesn't look at, they don't look at these people as like having much worth, but seeing them outside of what they are doing in their position, seeing them as an actual person, that's what shows worth. Exactly. So I think that's a great point to bring up. One last thing before we get into this episode, I have, there's a possibility, possibility Later this year, I'll be moving to LA for some voice acting. Ooh, that is exciting, Alec. Congratulations. Well, no, thank you. I mean, nothing's set in stone, but there are, I have like four or five potential projects that people want me to be a part of. And, I'm nodding my uh, head. Sorry, you guys can't see this, but I'm yeah, nodding yeah. my head. I'm nodding my head. I'm like, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, I have a bunch of friends in California too, and uh, 
my buddy Wally Green, who I, I was actually talking to last night, he's like always traveling for speaking events. And he said, dude, if you go to LA, you let me know because I got some places for you to check out. And I was like, okay, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah dude, let's do it. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a potential. I, I can't guarantee anything. I don't know what it's going to actually look like, but that is potentially on the plate. And I have a position to, again, potentially be the voice of a soft pretzel company. Yes. And I have the potential of being the voice of like three or four puppets for a, uh, my buddy, my buddy, Matthew has like runs um, his own like business where he uh, does paid for videos with certain puppets, with certain voices to say certain things for either birthdays or gender reveal parties or this or that. And I'd be the voice of, uh, he said he wants he wants me to be the voice of Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and like I can't remember the other three are, but he wants me to learn those voices so I can do that. And on top of that, there's a potential of doing a commercial at the end of the month. Well, congratulations, Alec! This is super super fascinating. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, I I I, I appreciate that seriously. Again, there's nothing set in stone here, but these are all opportunities it's... that could be that could be big. It is so hard to do different voices because like in my last two episodes, I've been doing Brooklyn accents, English accents, Boston ass- accents, <laughs> just because it's like, I'm trying to add a little bit more like flavor to the story. A little bit of flavor. Yeah, yeah. And then I go like full Borat. Like I can't, I can't <laughs> do a voice for too long. Like I end up just like, you know, just going full Borat. Yeah. Full Borat. So, or like my English accent will turn into Australian and I'm like, well, fuck. Well, I've been doing voices since I was like thirteen. When I was thirteen, I, mean, I when I was thirteen, I learned my first voice, which was Luigi. So I ever since then I've been working on it. Well, I'm super, super, super excited for you. Super excited I, for you. I what do you have for it. us today, though, Alec? So You're today, this guys. Episode. Today, guys, we're talking about the one and the only Motley Crew. Ah, yeah, absolutely. So I want you to close your eyes with me, and I want you to just picture sex, drugs, Mm. alcohol, Mm. partying, debauchery, destruction. This is at the core of Motley Crue. Motley Crue didn't do this because... This is the lifestyle they thought they had to live as a rock star. They did this because this is who Motley Crue is. At their core, this is their nature. And they are the, not only founders and leaders of the rock and roll lifestyle. They, are, they pioneered this lifestyle. They pioneered in what does it mean to be a rock star and leave your footprint wherever you go. Ooh, I like that. No, Motley Crew is made up of four members. One, we have Nikki Six, who is the bassist. Daddy. And was the, and was the first person <laughs> to start this band. There is Mick Mars, who is the guitarist. There is Vince Neil, who, is the, who was the singer. And last but not least, we have Tommy Motherfucking Lee. And he is the drummer. Now, Those are some dogs. badass dudes. 
Yeah, I know. Now, here's how it all started. See, Nikki Six was a part of a band called London. And mm-hmm. he was not happy with the band. In fact, the night that he quit was right after it was right after a concert that Tommy Lee actually attended. And uh, Tommy Lee and Nikki Six met at a diner right after the show. Mm. Called out the cosmos, called out the universe, or just fate itself. This was a meant to be meeting. Yes. Now, the dynamic duo got together multiple times to practice and kind of vibe out and kind of get a feel of your of their playing styles before they actually met their guitarist, Mick Mars. Now, Mick Mars was like, what, 10, 12 years older than everyone else. And he was actually suffering from a disease that slowly caused his bones to rot. Ooh. I want you to just imagine that... If you have good posture and you're able to like sit up straight and shoulders back, your bones set in their ways to the point where you can't come out of that posture. Slowly but surely, it becomes harder and harder and harder to move your spine, your arms, your legs, your neck. Slowly and slowly, this is what happened to Mick Mars. Now, there were three people right now. And this trio rocked together, but there was one position left to fill, the singer. Luckily, Tommy Lee had a connection. You see, an old high school buddy of his was part of a rock band, a cover band known as Rock Candy that was based in the Hollywood Hills in California. Mm-hmm. And they were playing a concert and the trio decided to check it out. And after the concert, Tommy approached Vince Neil, and after a celebration of getting back together, of hey mans and what's up dudes, he introduced the potential band that he could join. Now, Vince Neil at first was very, very hesitant because he was like, I was in rock to get laid, not for, not for fame. But after some careful consideration and some masterful manipulation on Tommy's end, Vince oh. decided he would give the band a shot. Thanks, Tommy. And this band was meant to be. They tried out their first gig in a club known as Starwood Club in California. And they rocked it. They rocked the house. In fact, in the documentary, The Dirt, which I'll be mentioning a few times in this episode. Love that movie. I loved I, I've been watching it nonstop because I there's just so many things that I just pick up every single time about these guys mm-hmm. and the thing is i love this scene because you see that the band gets in a fight like a fist fight with the crowd and this is who they were at their this was first, the first show right at their, their first, first gig their first gig and <sighs> it, i don't know if it was the fact that the crowd was drunk i don't know if it was the fact that there were pretty girls in the audience and the guys just wanted to impress or i don't know if because these guys were rockers at core. At, Wasn't it like someone spit on Vince Vince's favorite pants and Vince was like, fuck you! And like, yep. just totally bashed that guy? Yes. And I don't know if it was the fact that the audience got a taste of who Molly Crew was at this point. Guys, but, I don't take no shit. The first gig that they pulled, 
got them their first taste of fame. Beautiful. Now, later on, they found a manager. And uh, their manager was none other than Alan Kaufman. And Alan Kaufman was in charge of financing, like, recording sessions and all of these things. And their first album released was known as Too Fast for Love. And this album sold over 20,000 copies in the first year. Insane. Now, the popularity of the band and just the pure numbers alone were enough to get them an opportunity to tour Canada. This thrusted them into the rock and roll lifestyle. You gotta and like Canadians, how, man. And we all know how much we like thrusting, too. Uh, yeah, Rush, what, right? Rush was from Canada. So, yeah, yeah that's what daddy likes. Oh, yeah, you do love Rush. So, another, so back at home, uh, Electric Records um, was keeping an eye, a very careful eye, on the popularity and rise of Molly Crew. And Molly Crew was astounded at how fast they were gaining popularity and fame. And of course, this made Electric Records want to go into business with the band. And of course, more fame means more wealth, which means more money. And more money for Motley Crue means better alcohol, better sex, and better drugs. This is where all hell broke loose when it comes to their destructive lifestyle. Now, in 1983, they recorded uh, Too Fast for Love mm-hmm. in 1980. In, no, sorry, not Too Fast for Love. They recorded their second album, which is called Shouts at the Devil. And this just added to the controversy because the mothers of young rock lovers were saying, you can't listen to them because it sounds like they're Satan worshipers. However... Well- Someone just commented and they were like, dude, I'm listening to Death and Sex Part 1. He's like, I'm at the gym and I just busted out laughing at 1.6 miles is still 1.6 miles in today's miles. And I'm like, dude, I think this is like my personal, one of my personal best episodes. Like, I think that I really let my, my funniness come out of, come out in this episode. Where was I? Oh, so the controversy continued with the band. The mothers of young rock lovers were very worried about their sons and daughters listening to this album because they thought they were devil worshippers. But the band quickly brushed off the accusation saying it showed at the devil, not with. Now, in this Album. I do remember they, that. That's how they, they responded to it, didn't they? They were like, it was yeah. they, went, they had a whole interview and they were like, they said this. And um yeah. that's when they said it's shout at the devil, not shout with the devil. It's like learn how to read. Well, it's not just that, but this is why people need to pay attention to lyrics and words when it comes to oh a hundred and ten percent. Here's a great example. Let's think about the main singer for Lincoln Park. What was his last song called? It's called Heavy. Heavy. Do you think if we paid attention to the lyrics, we could have done something? 
I think that I absolutely do. I mean, I mean, how do you how do you go into a studio, right? How do you sit there as a band and you're listening to these these words and you don't look at your, you know, lead singer and you're like, yo, you okay, bro? Like not only that, but let's think about us as a collective. Us as a collective of fans and listeners and people that in generally in general just love, 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 love this band. Yeah. And let's not just not just link not just LP here. Let's think about Papa Roach. Mm-hmm. You guys know Last Resort. Suffocation, no breathing, don't, don't give a give fuck. A fuck yeah. If I cut my cut my arm bleeding, it, like all of these lyrics. Now, obviously, no, we're gonna be doing a little bit of a dive into what that song's all about later in a later episode. Yeah, because there because there's a documentary on YouTube which will be I'll I'll link below for you guys to check out. But be just. You know, trigger warning, there is definitely talk about suicide and there's definitely talk about drugs and alcohol and suffering. Oh, yeah. Trigger warning for this episode. So one of the things is that this band uh, recorded a song called uh, Looks That Kill, which was in the which was in the album mm-hmm. Shout at the Devil, which duoed and coupled with a music video for the actual song itself just for looks that kill and this album had over a million sales because that song got so popular in fact they got so popular they blew up on mtv which just thrusted them further into the rock and roll lifestyle more money more fame in in the dirt they talk about how much money they make and they said they were making they were making lots of money and they spent it even quicker I mean, I feel like that kind of happens. Like Nikki Six was pretty much homeless, you know, since he was like nine years old all the way up to to now. Yeah. And if you if you're not used to having an abundance of of money, you spend it on all the things that you wanted as a kid, you know, you house, yeah. car, um, traveling, road trip, drugs, mon- I mean, alcohol on probably hookers if you can afford them. Which um, they were very much so known for, by the way. That was their oh, yeah. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Sex workers. I mean, probably toys. You know what I mean? Oh, like, what would you yeah. have if you had an extra $100,000? Like, what would you do? What would you spend that on? Oh, no, I'm very like, Just different. at the end of the day and at, you know, tomorrow you'll have another $100 in your bank account. You wake up and you have another $100 in your bank account every day. Like, how would how would you spend that money at first I, for me personally i'd be uh, if what you said if i had ten thousand dollars a hundred thousand just better. just imagine I just would, imagine Im- every morning I, immediately i would i would uh, donate a thousand dollars to children's hospital and that's for a personal cause because they saved my life when i was younger a hundred thousand and you're only spending a thousand at the children's hospital oh at first yeah okay continue and then i would buy myself a house Mm -hmm. and then after that i would make sure that my fine i've i've already thought about this by the way because i don't i probably should i would for i I wake up in the morning and i have a hundred thousand dollars in my account i would buy myself my brother my mom my stepdad my sister-in-law a car each one right like straight off the lot 
no miles on them. Um, I would give my then, sister. I would give my sister a better car. Yeah, and then with whatever money I have left over, say five new cars, right? And I still have twenty thousand dollars at the end of the day. I would probably purchase. I would, honestly, I would buy everyone a big fat dinner, a beautiful, gorgeous dinner. You know, where I could mm-hmm. treat everyone and just say, "Hey, thanks for putting up with my bullshit." Um, <laughs> what about me? Well, hey, I'd probably move closer to you. <laughs> yeah, that way we can actually uh, either we could either room together and record this together, or we yeah. re- or we'd rent out a studio where we could just go every day. I think that. Well, I mean, yeah, or we could both just build the studio at each other's houses and record there. Are they lovers? Find out next time on Rockaholics. Ooh, are they? <laughs> are they not? But what yeah, I mean, like, after that, the next, if, like, at the end of the day, if I had $2 in my account, I wouldn't even worry about it because tomorrow morning I'd wake up and have another, another 100000 And with that 100000 I'd buy myself a house, you know? Like, that's what I'm saying. You that, like, made, well, here's the thing, too. This is the 1980s. $100,000 is a lot more than $100,000 is right now. Oh, I know. Isn't that sad? That was like millions of dollars worth. Three thousand. I think it's three times because I just did an episode on the eighties. Is it okay? Okay. Yeah, and it's like three times. Our money back then was worth three times more than what it is now. Like four hundred dollars back then is like equivalent to twelve hundred dollars now. No, this is where the trigger warning comes in. Because it was during this. It was during the recording sessions for this album. That Nikki Six started using heroin. Oof. He started shooting up, and on top of that, the band had no idea he was doing this. In fact, in the dirt, Tommy Lee says, "I thought he was just upset because I was happy, but I didn't know that the partying turned into something else for him." It turned into a consistency. It turned into a need. This is why drugs are so dangerous, because you have no idea what's gonna what's gonna be down the road for you next. Mm-hmm. There's always you're always gonna want to chase after the new high, mm-hmm. and for him, the new high was heroin. Now he didn't die from the heroin, but he yet. did have an overdose, didn't didn't he? I'll get to that. Okay. So, at this point, we see the lover boy. And Tommy Lee truly come out. In fact, do you know how many times Tommy Lee was married? In total? I don't know. Probably like six. Four times. Jesus. Come on, Tommy. And around this time, he married a actress in Hollywood named Heather Locklear. Locklear? Locklear. Locklear. Mm-hmm. Heather Locklear. And uh, Nikki Six was asked to be his best man at his wedding. What an honor, especially to have a brother, literally mm-hmm. this a brother from this band of brothers. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is the only family that Ooh, Nikki Six had. Title of the show: Band of Brothers. Ooh, shit! Fuck, that's good. So, at the wedding that was held in May. In 1994, I believe. Isn't that when you were born? No. I wasn't born in 97. Oof. You're such I a know. baby. <laughs> yeah. Still daddy, though. Still daddy. 
Still daddy. So the thing is, is the fact that the day of his wedding, Nikki Six was fucked up. Fucked up. In fact, Tommy Lee said, I might need to get someone else to stand at my wedding if you can't. He doesn't remember anything from that night. A year later. God. A year after this wedding. No. A year and a month after Tommy Lee's wedding, Nikki Six overdosed from heroin. Mm. Now, you might realize something. Uh, Nikki Six is still alive today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's because on his, on his way to the hospital via an ambulance and through massive doses of adrenaline, his heart was revived and so was he. Now, this is enough to scare anyone. Wasn't this the paramedic that drove? Wasn't the paramedic yes. that drove? It was, the, it was. It was one of the para, One of the paramedics. That was like Nikki Six does not die in my ambulance. This is Nikki fucking Six. <laughs> he died in my ambulance. Yeah. So, also, I can't imagine the raise that that guy got from reviving Nikki. Right. Six. He went Holy from shit. being a paramedic to the ambulance driver. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I don't need this shit. I can retire <laughs> after this raise." Hell yeah. Um. This is enough to scare anyone. And uh, this was enough to scare the band. In fact, after this, the entire band agreed to go sober together. Ooh. How did that now, turn I, out? Not so well. <laughs> you see, Vince, Vince Neal was not so happy with this new clean lifestyle. And yeah. by the way, Vince Neil already had to be sober because Vince Neil was in a car accident that killed a good friend of his. Mm, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I believe the singer for a British band that was touring America for their first time. The, the car crash involved Vince Neil and involved Nicholas Razzle Guthis. Is that, no, like, no, 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 no. I can't be right. Hang on. Hold the fuck up. Drew with this, this, this sounds like a fucking fantasy name. Okay, so back to Razzle. So Razzle died in his car accident. And uh, he had to, and Vince Neil had to serve some jail time, but he was released early under the conditions he would uh, serve communities, he would have community service time. And that he would go sober. But by the time that the whole band had to go sober, he quit the band for a while because of the fact that he really didn't like this sober tour. Now, in the Mm -hmm. 1990s, Vince Neal's daughter was diagnosed with cancer. Leukemia, wasn't it? Leukemia. Or some type of stomach uh, stomach cancer. It was it was a stomach cancer, yeah. Yeah. And uh, after an operation that was meant to remove the tumor and save her thought, life, and save her life, it did the exact opposite, and that was her final breath. Mm. Vince Neil went into a depressive state, and understandable. And he got into drugs and alcohol like he never had before. This truly was Vince 
Neil's low. The band got together again for just a meeting. Vince Neil talked about his daughter's death. In fact, in the dirt, he's quoted saying it's against the laws of the fucking universe what happened. Understandable as well. I can't Wait, even imagine. So, so no, I can't either. I'm a mother of two and like if anything were to ever happen to my daughters, like they'd have to build a grave next to them so that I could be in there with them, you know? I mean, I just can't imagine your daughter dies and nobody reaches out. That must have been heart-wrenching as well. This is another detail. Nobody reached out to him during this time. Fuck. Now, when they got together, Nikki Six had something to say, too. Because the band uh, kind of was devastated by the overdose that Nikki Six experienced and the short-term death that he experienced as well, they had some loose strings to reattach to, the, to each other. And, all Nick, and Nikki Six is quoted in the dirt saying, I don't give a shit. If Motley Crue doesn't play another note, I just want my brothers back. Remember, this is the only family that he ever had. Yeah. And they did. In fact, they got back together and they rocked it like they never had before. Sober. But they rocked the hell out of these stages, out of these concerts, out of the people, the crowd itself. They even recorded an album of their greatest hits called Red, White, and Crew. Yeah. Which was released in the early 2000s. And Tommy Lee's most recent marriage, do you know when that was? Tommy Lee's most recent marriage? I'm going to say 2015. Three years ago. 2019? What? Mm-hmm. Okay. The band is still pretty close today. Okay. However, you have to wonder, was it fate that brought these four people together? Or was it just pure coincidence? I think it has to be fate, you know? Like, imagine imagine all of you knowing someone with music. Imagine meeting after a show from a band that you quit and you run into one of the greatest drummers of all time, right? And then someone and then they're like hey oh i know a guitarist and then that guitarist sucks so they put out an ad for a new guitarist and here comes mick mars you know and then imagine tommy lee going oh hey you know what i know someone with really great musical talent or a really great singing voice yeah and they're like why didn't you say that you know from the beginning and here comes vince after being like i just want to get laid bro and here you go and if Tommy Lee didn't convince him in the way that he did, he never would have joined the band or even considered going into it. Think about you that, too. You know what's crazy? What's crazy is that Tommy Lee in The Dirt is played by Colton Baker, who we know as Machine Gun Kelly. And he comes in and he has this eyeliner and he has this long black hair. And it's so funny because he doesn't look like Machine Gun Kelly whatsoever. Well, that's so he doesn't look like Machine Gun Kelly. What he doesn't look like Machine Gun Kelly whatsoever. And I remember when because no. you and I watched the dirt on. We on, found um, out it was Machine Gun Kelly. We were like, "What?" 
I know. I was like, dude, is that Machine Gun Kelly? And you're like, what? And I'm like, I have to look it up now. And we're like sitting there watching the dirt. And I'm like, pause. So we both pause the movie, which if you guys don't know, Alec and I, when we when we do our conferences, what we're doing is we're uh we're chatting on um or we're we're FaceTiming or whatever, and we're watching the same show together. And so we're always like pause or I need a break or I got to go to the bathroom. Right. So we're always like pause. And then we make sure that we start the movie at the exact same time. And so I'm like, okay, pause. And we're both looking it up and we're like, holy shit, that is Machine Gun Kelly. And it was, was so surprising. It because... was legitimately Machine Gun Kelly, but I think he did a song called The Dirt and that's why he was let in. And that's yeah. Why so he him. actually got together with Motley Crue and they made a song, The Dirt, and it was for the movie. And, um, and he's actually like rapping on the song, isn't he? No, no, no. He's just kind of like scream singing on the song. And it's like, it's one of my favorite songs. It's on my playlist. Like I play it whenever I'm feeling a little like, like I'm cruising down back roads and I need that little like oomph to make the song just, I mean, to make the, the drive a little bit cooler. No, stop. Was it a remake of the song? Is this it? Yeah. I'm listening to that fucking shit later. It's oh awesome. God. Yeah. Wow. Just say something that's, like, I love that fucking song. That's Motley Crue in kind of a wrap up. No, I didn't go too deep into this or this would be a absolute two hour episode. And by the way, they have over 13 albums. And if you want me to All go together, that, yeah. Nice. And uh, we can go into those albums, I guess, another episode. But I, if I'm going to go into the albums, I want to go deep into these albums. But those are the albums that got them their fame. Those are the albums that got them their fortune. And those are the albums that made them truly Motley true. Now, there was one less album I do want to mention. Okay. Theater of Pain. Okay. And in, in Theater of Pain, they have a song called Home Sweet Home, mm-hmm. which is meant to symbolize Vince Neil's return to Motley Crue. And oh. that was his Home Sweet Home. Again, Band of Brothers. It is a Band of Brothers. You know, it's so great how, how you meet someone and they just become family, like it's it's a beautiful feeling. It it's it's crazy when you meet strangers and they become family. That's what's insane. It's a beautiful thing for sure. Oh, I can't even imagine being in that position. That's got to be such an overwhelming feeling. That's crazy. That's insane. Ruby, anything else you want to add to this? No, I think that. Um... I mean, I know that Motley Crue stopped touring in 2015 or supposedly said they were going to stop touring in 2015. But then all of these older bands started. Sorry. Excuse me. But then all of these older bands started touring again. I mean, you had ACDC and then you had Guns N' Roses was touring. And then and ACDC, Metallica. 
Metallica started touring yeah. Def Leppard Journey. I mean, I remember going to see Def Leppard and Journey, I think back in 2017. And that show was badass. Like we were up in the nosebleeds because we couldn't afford, you know, the good seats, but we still had a blast. And so I think that, you know, like it's it's all about nostalgia. I mean, what about the when we were young festival that's coming up? You and I both said that, you know, right now the tickets are $250 a piece. But you and I both said like, well, hey, if as it gets closer to the festival um, and it's all of these old bands, you know, My Chemical Romance, Paramore, it's all of these old emo bands that I loved as, as a kid growing up. And so, um, and I know that we said that if there's funds, we'll go and just like check out the scene and stuff and we'll have a good time. But, but I think it's all about nostalgia. People want that nostalgia. Now, are we going to go just to see these bands absolutely not honestly I don't mind seeing a cover band you know that that plays the same songs over and over again um or plays those same songs for $15 instead you know I'm all about supporting local businesses and supporting small local bands so I rather I'm rather spend $15 but I rather spend $15 to see a local band you know, so that I could be there. Like I was there when they were little and they were playing at this tiny little venue in downtown. And now look at them. They're beautiful and they're big. And that's what this show is all about is getting those small bands and helping make them big. That is what we're all about, guys. We're not here just because they're bands and they're famous. We're here because we rock with them. Absolutely. So yeah, I think that that's everything that we have for the show today, right, Alec? Unless you have something else to add about Motley Crue. Maybe, but we'll say that for a later episode. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. you guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Rockaholics. I'm your host, Ruby. And I'm your host, Alec. And we'll see you in the next episode. But until then, remember... Rock on. Rock on.